welcome, welcome. This is According to Callus. This is episode 230. We're going to title it, JP Tells Christians to Get Their Game Up. Now, the JP I'm referring to is none other than Jordan Peterson. And yes, he has a PhD, so technically it's Dr. Jordan Peterson. I will say that uh, a lot of my friends, some of my family are quite impressed with this guy. Um, I'm more neutral. I I think the guy's just all over the map. And for every good thing he says, he's got some confusing garbage that has to be dealt with. But he put out a message. I, I want to say it was in the last... Well, at this point, if you're listening to me, this is actually Wednesday, I think the 27th, but he put this message out last week, which is the day, you know, I'm recording this on a Friday. So he put this out within the last couple of days and he basically tells the Christian churches, uh, well, being that I'm not really Christian and, uh, I just think I have something that needs to be said and I'm going to paraphrase but basically, uh, you got a lot of things wrong, but you offer a lot, right? I mean, I'm not sure how you reference Karl Marx and the church, but so be it. Uh, this is a quote. The Christian church is there to remind people, young men included, perhaps even first and foremost, that they have a woman to find a garden, that they have a woman to find a garden to walk in a family, to nurture an ark, to build a land, to, to conquer a ladder to heaven, to build and utter in the utter terrible catastrophe of life, to face stalwartly in truth, devoted to love without fear. I think I might have butchered that, but that was as close to a direct quote as I can get. Invite the young men back. Say literally to those young men, you're welcome here. If no one else wants what you have to offer, we do. We want to call you to the highest purpose of your life. We want your time, your energy, your effort, your will, your goodwill. We want you to work with you, make things better, to produce a life more abundant for you and for your wife and for your children, for your community and your country and the world. So, now... Douglas Wilson, uh, he's put out a response to this. I have not had time to sit and watch it. I will be probably doing that after this. Uh, I've taken notes from uh, none other than Theodore Beale, also known as Vox Day. Uh, I have found him to be... One moment. (laughs) I have found him to be almost entirely spot on when it comes to some of the stuff, including Mr. Peterson, or I'm sorry, Dr. Peterson. And his response to that is, no, a thousand times no. The Christian church is absolutely not there to remind people to pursue a certain material goals. The Christian church is there to worship Jesus Christ, to care for the flock and to spread the gospel. It is not there for more efficiently produced material goods for the betterment of the world. To the contrary, it is there to war against the fallen world and its myriad of falsehoods. And one reason why so many young men and women have left the institutional churches is because those, church, those churches have replaced Christianity with the very churchian materialism Peterson is now claiming is the purpose of the Christian church. Furthermore, 
Peterson's understanding of the role of the church doesn't even rise to the level of an eagle pagan occultist like Hitler, who at least understood that Kirch was something fundamentally distinct from Kinder and Kutch. And life is not a terrible catastrophe. This is not only a subversion, it is pure inversion. And the most of you reading this will understand the significance of that. He's got another little quote in here, which I'm going to skip over, talking about your holy duty. His response is, like the professional gatekeeper that he is, like the deceitful inversionist snake tongue that he is, Peterson is demanding a return from the social justice evil to the materialist enlightenment evil in order to prevent those seeking the way, the truth, and the life from founding new Christian bodies that will supplant the invaded, conquered, and subverted organizations that have rightfully that have rightfully been abandoned. This is simply an attempt to maintain the viability of the converged churching institutions in order to prevent them from collapsing completely. Needless to say, the average churching will drink this pseudo philosophical poison up like the Kool-Aid in the hot summer's day. And I'll be back in one moment. And before I give you my thoughts on the matter, I'm going to read just a little bit more from Peterson. Dogmatic belief in the central axioms of Christianity that Christ's crucifixion redeemed the world, that salvation was reserved for the hereafter, and that salvation could not be achieved through works, had three mutually reinforcing consequences. First, the devaluation of the significance of earthly life as only the hereafter mattered. This also meant that it had become acceptable to overlook and shirk responsibility for the suffering that existed in the here and now. Second, passive acceptance of the status quo, because salvation could not be earned in any case through effort in this life. A consequence that Marx also derided with his proposition that religion was the opiate of the masses. And finally, third, the right of the believer to reject any real moral burden outside the state of belief in salvation through Christ, because the Son of God had already done all the important work. So once again, I'm going to transition to my thoughts on the matter. Now, when I initially heard what uh, Dr. Peterson had said, I was kind of uh, happy, right? I mean, here he is saying to these young men that he's been courting for a number of years now, go to church, be involved, get invested. Now, I only heard snippets of it. I, I didn't get a chance to actually listen to his message. But apparently he made the same message to other religions, including Islam. I wonder how he worded that. Now, here's a guy that maybe kind of sort of thinks maybe he might at some point become a Christian, trying to consult and console and direct how Christians who actually study the word and look at the 2,000 years worth of history we have on this theological matters, to correct us, to tell us, well, this is what you really ought to be doing. Now, I don't know if that's just sheer arrogance or deceptive actions, but it's kind of a little off-putting. Now, he's right. We have done a really good job of running off the men from the church. We've done a really good job of maternalizing Christianity. We've done a fantastic job of making infantile belief and not understanding some of the 
more challenging aspects of our faith, status quo. We've punished people that ask questions or challenge said status quo. Now, instead of, you know, back in the day where they would uh, kill Galileo, right? I mean, that's what we always hear about. No, no, now they cancel you. And and it's not the mm, church leadership that's necessarily concerned about preserving the church. No, 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 no. It's these interlopers, these uh, deceivers that have gotten in positions of power and authority, and they seek to undermine and control what's left of the church. And I think uh, Mr. Beale here has correctly pointed out that the uh, churching institutions need to fail, that they need to go away. He also makes a reference here <clears throat> that, uh, let's see here, the assault on the West has been spearheaded by the very people from whom Jordan Peterson now draws a paycheck. And it comes from hell, not a place that can be distinguished from it. The satanic war is first against Jesus Christ, second against the European nations, and third against the Greco-Roman philosophical legacy, and fourth against the rest of humanity. It's not a war against masculinity or young men. The assault on young women has been even more serious and devastating, as many young men can readily attest. And we're now to the point... Where a good number of pastors are afraid to actually speak biblical truth. They're afraid to say what is sinful behavior. They're afraid to call out certain things because they might upset the wrong person. Now, I don't know about you, but I spent a little bit of time looking into history and there was something called the Confessing Church in Germany. They were the Lutherans that broke from the state church. They were the ones that said, yeah, that's fine. You told us a lot of shiny things and, you know, told us that we, you know, were on the same team, but we're clearly not. You're lying to people. You're misleading people. You're creating a new faith that doesn't mesh with Christianity as we know it, as the Lutheran church teaches it. And we're out of here. Now, I'm aware that there are some acquaintances of mine or and actually a lot of church leadership in the country that are really spooked on the whole notion of Christian nationalism. Now, I don't really think it has a good definition. I don't really think that they actually know what it means. And I think it just makes a good boogeyman or straw man, if you will. But my understanding of what they're concerned about is a merger between church and state. And if that's what they are really getting at, if that's what their real concern is, I'm right there with them. I don't think that's a good thing. The church is supposed to be separate for a reason. The church is supposed to be independent and um, influential on the state. The state should not in any sense or form control the church. The state should not have any influence over the church. And when you merge those two, if you you even bring them too close to where they become indistinguishable, that's where the problems lay in. 
except there's this thing that nobody wants to talk about. There's this thing that exists whether we want to acknowledge it or not. Everybody has a king. Right? Everybody sees their God. The question is, is who's your God? Now, there are some that believe it's the church. There are some that impre- uh, put that impression on the guy that lives in Rome. There are some that incorporate that into their own local guy, right? They're, they're, uh, they're a person that they think you know, talks directly to God. That's a problem. We saw that worked out for those folks in Jim Jones, but I don't know that we're there. I I don't know that that is the concern today. I suspect that it's a misplaced concern. I suspect that the straw man is there to distract from the real issue. And I think the real issue is the biblical Christianity, that the the call to acknowledge the power above, the call to recognize that we all have to answer to our creator, interferes with us following the rules of man. It interferes with us being from obedient people. Apologize, minor issue to address. So I will say, if I'm being entirely gracious, if I'm being entirely honest, I think that the fear is misplaced. I think the fear is a justification for their behaviors and their actions, which in their own way, warp what is biblical Christianity. Now, if you're not a Christian, look, I get it. And I, 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 I believe every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. But that's when Jesus comes back. Until then, until then, you're free to live as you want. But you need to understand there's a consequence. And what we do now does matter, contrary to what Mr. Peterson has said here. I'm sorry, Dr. Peterson. Um, but it matters insofar as you're going to be rewarded upon what you do, right? There's plenty of parables that talk about this. There's plenty of uh, good teaching that references what you do now matters, that how you represent Christ now matters. That doesn't require anybody to be forced to do anything. One moment, please. I apologize. I had to do a little uh, check here. I want to make sure I get this right. I think I think the concern is they're afraid of maybe a theocracy or better yet, a the- theonomy. The idea is which uh, there is a deity that the supreme ruling authority, right? That we're going to run the country based upon what we believe that to be. And if that's the case, I guess I can, I can 
see where that might be real. But the thing is, is I believe there's always, there's always a theocracy. There, there is always a God that people work and bow for. And, and when you overlook that, when you fail to realize that what it is, it doesn't even have to be a God, a God of the sky, as some have derided it. It could be some people that misplace their value in the state, misplace their value of an individual. In fact, I would say, and I think this is where this is coming from, some people had a misplaced faith in the former president. They believe that one guy can make all the change. That one guy could fix everything. That one guy was all that mattered. In fact, there's some people that actually believe if they just restore him back to the presidency, that everything's going to be all right. Everything will be fixed. And if you've listened to me at all, you know I believe that's ludicrous. That's that's certainly not going to make the change or the difference that they want. And I, And I don't necessarily oppose the goal. I just don't think that's what's going to get them there. So let me transition back into uh, Jordan here. The concept that young men don't feel welcome in church, that's something that's not been lost on me. But I would go even so far as to say is it's young people in general. And it's because they're being pandered to, in my opinion. It's because they're being sold something that just rings hollow. They're, they're being given platitudes, they're not being given something solid. There's no basis for their faith or their reality because I will tell you, and having spoken to a youth pastor or two, they're amazed at the lack of biblical literacy out of high school students, out of middle school students. And I will tell you, that's nothing new. I've noticed it for a decade. And I did my part. You know, I did what I could do to work with my small group to get them to have a better understanding of what we believe, why we believe it, and how that matters and what that's going to do when you get into the real world, if you will, once you leave your high school. But the larger issue is, is if women can't be women or young ladies can't become women and young men don't become adult men because they don't know what that means or what it is or what the importance of it is. We got to look at how did they not know this? Certainly the lion's share their responsibilities on their parents, but the reality is a lot of those parents are working both parents. Sometimes they're just not home and they don't have the time to invest in their kids. So where are they going? Oh, well, they're going to the government indoctrination centers, also known as public schools. And they're being fed a line of, well, let's just call it disivinizational garbage. They're being told that everything that is is wrong. Everything that was is not right. And quite frankly, that there's nothing worth moving forward for. They just need to pay their penance. Now, that's my interpretation of things. And feel free to read into it what you want. But when you make a young man and a young woman feel like one, they're worthless two they can make no difference. And three, there's no such thing as truth. Why would they believe anything? Why would they want to do anything? Why would they want to put forth any effort whatsoever? What do we have to offer them? And this is the underlying point that while 
Dr. Peterson is not my guru. And Dr. Peterson, quite frankly, I think is just wrong on some of his discussions here. He has one valid point out of the whole thing. Yes, the church needs to be there for young men and young women. They need to have something to offer them, which is a solid foundation of biblical truth. Teaching, camaraderie, family, all those things fall in line behind that basic understanding. And we have to be there to present it to them. We have to be there to bring it back some semblance of society to protect civilization as it were. Now those sound to be esoteric, extreme uh, conclusions, but you have to start out your back door. You have to start with your own family. You have to start with your own community. And how better to do that than with your church? Now I got to say, There are plenty of churches out there that do good work. Some of them, in my opinion, are misguided in the work that they do. But the outcome generally is positive. Some of these churches are far more concerned about who my parents were or where I was born or what my social status may be because of how I identify than teaching the redeeming love of Christ, teaching right from wrong, teaching a biblical model for how to live one's life. And again, I'm painting with a broad brush because I don't want to be specific and I don't want to hammer on any one group or person or pastor. It's just obvious. We see it all the time. I mean, you put these guys on TV and it's just like, what in the world? Your best life now. I mean, come on. Clearly, Everything here is going to pale to the eternity that awaits us. Yes, the price was paid, but we have work to do now. We have the battle to wage now. We have things we should be doing. Now, there are a ton of other podcasts. There are a ton of other shows and blogs and books all written on these subjects. And I would encourage you, If you thought any of this makes sense, if you thought, man, okay, well, that's pretty good. Callus, all right, thanks for the time there. Then you need to go look them up. Now, I don't, I'm not smart enough to figure out how to put all these links in my posts or whatever else, but I will just tell you, they're not hard to find. And I'll say, quite frankly, up front, I love a lot of what Douglas Wilson teaches, but I'm not a Presbyterian. I have a deep affinity for those hardcore Presbyterians out there. I'm just not there with the baptizing babies. I'm sorry, I'm not. But they're brothers in Christ. And they're doing a lot of good work out there. And I have a lot of respect for what they're doing. And they are fighting the good fight. And they are standing in the gap. And we should be able to appreciate that. Set aside the minor theological differences. And work towards the greater good. I'm happy to do that. There are other, let's call them independent Baptists or um, Calvinists or whatever. They do good work. Now, I don't want you to get lost in the weeds of some of these uh, blogs that pick apart everybody's sermon. No, that's not that's not what I'm getting at. What I want you to understand is there are greater values 
in understanding basic premises and building upon that. That's what we can derive from this. And we have to expose ourselves to ideas that are a little bit different than what we already know or what we already learned. It helps us do a better job of understanding the world around us. I encourage you, find these things out, look for them. So I will tell you that um, there is a whole network of podcasts out there by the Fight, Laugh, Feast network. Now, I'm behind, woefully behind on a lot of their stuff, but they have a lot of good stuff they put out there. There's also a podcast called the For the New Christian Intellectual. These guys are going through Rand's writings. Now, some of it's a little bit of a stretch for me, but they're drawing out precepts to go forward and holding it against biblical Christianity to you know prove the point, if you will. And then George Grant has his Standfast cast. I think he's restarted that. And uh, then there's Sovereign Nations. That's entirely interesting. And then there's the podcast by none other than Douglas Wilson. Look, there's lots of stuff out there that fits within the uh, biblical Christianity, which is what I subscribe to. And you can pick up and learn a lot from these guys, even though we don't necessarily agree on every theological point. They've done the work. They've done the study. They know what they're talking about. It doesn't hurt to expand your mind. Now, again, I, again, I, I'm sure there's a listener or two out there that doesn't subscribe to Christianity. That's okay. But you would do yourself well to perhaps understand what it is we're talking about, where we're coming from. I mean, just a firmer grasp of what somebody else's mindset is, is useful when having a discussion and being uh, better educated. Now, I am not a big fan of Marx. And at some point, I'll probably read one or two of his books just to kind of better understand his arguments. But I've been hearing them for most of my life. And quite frankly, they're not that impressive. (laughs) I heard one guy call him a bad historian and even worse, (laughs) economist. But that's beside the point. You have to understand what your opposition or what people you disagree with believe so that you can better refute what it is that's problematic, if nothing else. Don't be afraid. Embrace it. And once again, if you thought this was uh, educational, entertaining, informative, whatever, subscribe, share, like, give the thumbs up, do the bell, whatever it is. Let people know that we're out here. We're doing the work. We want to make a difference. Starting right here in McKinney, Texas and moving on out. With that, this was According to Callus. This was episode 230, and I will see you on the other side.